on this episode of Why Watch That. I wonder what the the actual impetus for all of this is. LeBron is a Laker now. They tell me. Now, their temptations of belief. Who would that be for? Their temptations of sex. Who in the world would that be for? And their temptations of murder. Mm. Well, you're literally, let me tell the listeners, you're literally reading it off of Wikipedia, which is hilarious. So that's the comedy of it. <laughs> and you're like commenting on it like one of these descriptions. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> In my first review, I gave you that line that Colin landed on all of us unexpectedly when he was on a phone call. Are you ready to get that, you know, pounded? <laughs> like it's classic. This is a classic line in TV history from now forth. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. Welcome back to another episode of Why Watch That. I'm the producer here Uh with the Critic. How are you doing today, (laughs) Critic? Good. You know, it's Why Watch That. What, What will we call it? In stasis. In stasis. I'll take it. When is this new Why Watch That happening, producer? I'm really right on the spot. Listen, How dare you cool. drag your feet? Really, soon. There's no dragging feet, guys. You guys <laughs> do not realize what it takes to rework a show, restaff <laughs> a show. Like y'all think, you know, <laughs> we might make or it look staff easy. A show. I don't know. Staff you're a show. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's restaffing and staffing. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, literally after after recording, I'm a. Uh, working with the the production assistant to get through uh, the rest of the potential co-hosts and to schedule um, some of our production support um, interviews, hopefully for later this week, Mm -hmm. early next week. Um, So yeah. By the way, listeners, you can hear why the producer is, you know, a mover and shaker in the business world. Listen to those words that the producer uses. What words? Like (laughs) production support and, you know... (laughs) It's hilarious. Keep going. Keep going with, yeah. those, with those smooth words. Keep Listen. Going. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot happening. Um, you know, because we wanna we wanna come back and we wanna come back hot, as they say in the street. We're coming in hot. Oh, is that what they're saying now? Yeah, you're coming in hot. Um, yeah, or that new, that sounds old to me. 
Yeah, it's it's like old is new now, you know, like oh, that's how oh, it goes. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they say lit. I've heard like lit is evolved to like that sounds old too. Lit nah, is old. Liddy. Liddy is the new version of oh, it. Oh, Liddy. Liddy. Yeah. That sounds like a character we're gonna get to in one of these shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they mean, but <laughs> be careful. Listen. So yeah, so that's that's what's going on, guys. We we're working. Um, this month though, we should be able to at least start recording with some of our co-host guests. Um, mm. so we'll see how that that goes scheduling wise. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. Probably by the next time we record, we'll probably have um some firm updates for you. But oh, that's where we at right that. now. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, the last episode, you know, I really went in on people and the agenda and you know people are holding their breaths now going oh my gosh it, we will not be doing that again <laughs> unless the spirit moves me yes yes yeah. the uh the critic likes to uh respect his spirit and we appreciate that right <laughs> and we the pre- listener you know like, we do yeah. like to respect why watch that so Abs- absolutely and mm-hmm. and we we get it like i mean it it is a it is a statement at least i will have to say that you know it was it was nice to a voice in the in the sphere that's nice to be yeah. had because lots of people don't always say you know don't say say it because they're well, it's dangerous about, too correct. it really is dangerous yeah. and and really if you're talking now you don't even know if what you're saying in good faith won't get you in trouble yeah like and that's what i really don't like i don't like people who are weaponizing this stuff but that's a different topic yeah. when it comes to um you know tv's TV shows and movies, I just don't like it as a substitute for narrative. I don't like that. And you know what, producer? I've been watching on YouTube. I've been watching old Siskel and Ebert. Clips. Oh, yeah? Because, you know, when I was a kid, I watched Siskel and Ebert. That's what yeah. I did. And, you know, I liked Ebert. Even when I didn't agree with him, I liked mm-hmm. Ebert. And I would always look at Siskel and go, oh, goodness, here we go. And just watching them now, you know, many years later, it's fun. Like, I have more of appreciation for Siskel now at this age, not that I, I disagree with both of them sometimes or agree with both. That's not the point of criticism. Right. But they were great at making it entertaining, mm-hmm. which is probably trickled down into me in some sort of way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wish we were back at that point in criticism when more critics felt freer to be honest, because I think some of them aren't really saying what they think. Yeah. It's a lot of hive mind stuff. Now, remember, they do have corporate overlords. All right. I mean, speaking of um, caring about the listeners, let's get into the meat and potatoes. So, to yeah, say. I can hear the ref going moving along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the episode, <laughs> or 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 the raw potatoes, as the ref would oh, say. Of the <laughs> if you guys are not why watch that, listeners, and you want to be in on the joke, listen back to some of our older episodes, and you'll get it. <laughs> Um, all right, so <laughs> so we're going to start off with our movie first looks. A why watch that first look? And we're going to start with Hustle, which is a movie brought to us by good old Netflix. Um, Hustle is an American sports drama directed by Jeremy Sager, um, screenplay by Taylor Matane and Will Fetters. Um, and it is starring Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, um, Robert Duvall, Anthony Edwards, and other 
um, people. My assumption is that this is probably about um, basketball. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, LeBron is producing yep. this. <laughs> so one, I mean, you 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 didn't say Juancho Hernan Gomez. I know why you didn't say that. So <laughs> and him. <laughs> Yeah, Hernan Gomez is an NBA player. A lot of NBA players are in this either as themselves or in different roles, former NBA players like Kenny Smith. So, you know, it, it is a, a basketball story, but what is the story? Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is Adam Sandler is playing Stanley Sugarman. And Stanley is a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. In particular, he goes around the world checking out international players to see whether they're worth being in the upcoming NBA draft. And it's this whole thing of, you know, how old are you? Because if you're over 22, you can't be in the draft. Like, uh, Bobby, if you know, if you know Bobby from the NBA was is in there, he's like, how old are you? 22. And then his son comes up. He's like, how old's your son? 10. And when you see him, you're like, no. <laughs> you know, so they that's how it starts. He's scouting. And he, in particular, is looking at a specific player that uh, someone in the 76ers organization really wants. And this someone is played by Ben Foster. His character's name is Vince Merrick. He's the son of the owner of the 76ers. Now, this is not a real story. So let me say that. Okay, Okay. so not real. But what does Stanley think about this player? And in the course of events, he finds someone that's not on anyone's radar. He's in Spain, and in Spain, he, you know, in some way, sees a street game. And this person is played by Hernan Gomez, and his name is Bo Cruz. So, you know, Stanley's looking at him going, who is this guy? You know, he's like playing in Timberlands or some equivalent. (laughs) You know, he's got shorts on and that, (laughs) you know, like on the black top. What is happening here? And he is taken by this guy. But, okay, Bo, why isn't he known? What's his situation? Is he really going to be a good fit for the NBA? Is he going to be a good fit for the 76ers? And so on and so forth. Now, in the midst of this, Stanley learns that the owner of the 76ers, played by the great Robert Duvall, this owner, he and, and Stanley, they've had a great relationship over the years. But now it's about to come to fruition, all of the hard work that Stanley has done. What does that mean? Is this coming to fruition? Is that him moving up the ranks of the 76ers? Because remember, the owner's son doesn't quite agree with him. Are they enemies or not? Or is this going to be him having to leave the 76ers in some way? What does the owner think? And what happens as they move forward? Now, the owner's daughter, she and Stanley, they're good friends. So that's something to keep in mind. And the question is, well, okay, if they're good friends, how does she play a role in all of this? Hmm. Sounds a little bit like the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, just the Lakers, you know, ownership sagas. I wonder what the, the actual impetus for all of this is. LeBron is a Laker now, they tell me. Now, <laughs> as we move forward, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, now Stanley is married. He's married to uh, Queen Latifah's character. They have a teenage daughter. 
So that's pulled in. Kind of looking at Queen Latifah and the Teenage Dart, I'm like, it looks it, <laughs> just the equalizer. Just for some reason, just the look of it. Because it, while her teenage daughter here isn't played by the same uh, actor as the show, they look similar. I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, anyway. <laughs> so here's my review. First of all, this is rated R, according to what Netflix has and so on. I was just going, why? I didn't understand it. I would give it a PG-13 at most, really. I really would. So that was that was strange. Uh, I still haven't figured that one out. But, I, you know, I'm not at the MPAA. And what I would say is, if you like undemanding sports movies, you know, you're just like, okay, whatever. I kind of know what's going to happen. Not a lot of depth. They have a cast where you have responsible actors. I would include Adam Sandler in that category with, you know, people who play basketball. Um, Now, the NBA players, thankfully, don't have much to do in the acting department. So that's good. They are not called upon to do a lot. Uh, Now, the two exceptions are Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith doesn't play himself. He plays a friend of Stanley's who's in like an agent and all of that kind of stuff. He kind of helps Stanley, you know, get this uh, Bo Cruz character going. He has a little more to do. Obviously, Hernan Gomez as Bo has more to do, but they both avoid embarrassment. And really, that's all you can ask for when you have athletes playing, you know, acting, let's just yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that anything was particularly believable, but it didn't put me off. I was just like, okay, fine. Now, the knock I do have to say is it's just too long. I mean, some of the the training sequences with Bo, it was just like, really, I mean, Rocky would have, uh, you know, said, hold on, y'all taking it too far. Even Rocky would have said that. Like, <laughs> we've gone too far. Mm-hmm. So I think they could have, you know, just cut some of that out. I was like, where's the editor? Is mm-hmm. the editor asleep? But here's how I would watch this if you're going to. It's like, if it's a Saturday night in. You want to veg out. Why not put it on? You know, even if you don't like it, it's overly formulaic ways it might responsibly put you to sleep so that's no problem either now you know a lot of people i think there was even an article out there that's like can you believe that this movie isn't getting like terrible reviews Uh, from critics maybe maybe uh you know i haven't seen what the scores are from critics but it's not something like i said it's not like it's bad or anything like it's an easy movie to watch even when they are taking way too long in the training sequences. Hmm. There you go. But uh, Adam Sandler, I, I think, carries it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and it's easy to forget that Adam Sandler does know how to act. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when you put him in a drama, he knows what he's doing. So it's not a shock that that's the case. Um, some of his best work is in dramas to me, you know, mm-hmm. or crazy movies like Uncut Gems. I mean, whoa. Did I see that one? They're like dealing with like jewelry and all that kind of stuff. I think I did see that one. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that movie that he's, he's like an agent and they're like telling his story through his story. What is that movie called? I don't know, but he's like a guy. He's an, he's an actor's agent. He's a guy. He's, a, he's an actor's agent. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was fun. It was great to watch it. For that. Look, I, if it was on uh, Netflix, I probably didn't see it. Yeah, Sandy Wexler. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. See, no, <laughs> Sandy Wexler. It was a comedic slash dramatic performance by Adam, and I, I thought it was kind of fun. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's from 2017. Okay, all right. Back on track to what's in, what's happening in 2022. Um, we have uh, up next on our first looks. We have The Northman, a movie brought to us by Peacock. It is an epic, historic film by uh, Robert Eggers, and it is starring Alexander Sarskin, Nicole Kidman, Clarice. Um, Bang, Anya Taylor Joy, Ethan Hawke, um, and Bjork. Bjork. Oh, and mm-hmm. um, w- Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, critic. What, what's what's this about? And who should be watching? Yeah, and it's it's Kles Bong or something like that. Oh, Kles Bong. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, Kles he played uh, Dracula in that latest Netflix show and. <laughs> Like, you know, he he plays some characters here. Let's let's not, you know, sleep on that. He was in the final season of The Affair. He was in that um, international movie, The Square, that made a splash not too long ago. So, you know, you might know who he is. Uh, Robert is co-writing this with Sean. You're going, who is that? Well, you know, we've got some Scandinavian stuff happening in this movie and around the movie itself. So speaking of that, it starts in... The year of our Lord, 895. Okay. And what we have here is a king played by Ethan Hawke. And this king has a wife who's played by Nicole Kidman and a son who's young. The son will grow up to be played by Alexander Skarsgård. So, you know, it's all about battles and fighting and, you know, the king's kind of, you know, wounded and what's about to happen now. The king's brother comes up, played by class, and, you know, the brother's kind of like, you know, I have a, a young child now and so on and so forth. Let's, you know, be brothers and, you know, further the kingdom and all of that kind of stuff. But of course, this isn't going to last. Something happens where the great king is no more. And who will be the king in his stead? Well, you can guess. Or can you? Because wouldn't it be the king's son? Is it the king's son? And what about the king's wife, the son's mother? What's happening? Now, if you've watched Vikings or anything like it, you know that, you know, somebody comes in and kills these people. Who's dead? Who's going to stay alive? And who escapes? And, you know, all of that kind of stuff is what's going on here. So as a result of that, this son, whose name is Amleth, he has to grow up into Alexander Skarsgård. How? There's like this whole slave trade going on that he has to deal with, being away from family members. Where is he? And the question is, can he work his way back to his family? Why would he want to do so? Now, along the way, he meets a character played by Anya Taylor-Joy, Olga. And Olga, he's like, wait, you're a witch. Why does he say that? What is her sorcery? How does that show up? And how are the two of them going to connect? Can they help each other? Or do they need to watch out for each other? Mm. Now, also, we have, you know, the whole seers, all of that in, in Viking culture. So that's still here. Um, one of them, the main one, is played by Willem Dafoe. 
you'll see how he pops up. I mean, he starts narrating the movie, and I sat up when I heard his voice. I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can just predict where this is going to go. And Bjork is a part of that as well, being a seer and, you know, that kind of thing. Now, when I was watching this producer, I said to myself, wait a minute, this is Hamlet or The Lion King. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I was like, hold on, Hamlet, I think this might be the legend that led to Hamlet. And I looked it up, and yes, it is. Oh. Because all Shakespeare did was take the H off of Amleth and put it at the beginning right. of the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what this is. Mm. It's Hamlet Viking style. You know, okay. so if you want to see a simple story about that legend that led to the Lion King and so on, but it's underneath a boatload of unrelenting indie artistry. That, I mean, it, a boatload of it. Then <laughs> this is your thing. I, for me, it was more arresting than enjoyable. But over the course of the runtime, the, the power wore off. I mean, it's a brutal two hours or so. It needed a little more variety to me or, or just to be shorter or both. Mm-hmm. Like a little more dynamics to it, mm-hmm. I think would have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, even still... This is what I would say. I'm going to say three things, one of which I've already said. Vikings. Number two, The Green Knight, that movie. And number three, The Tragedy of Macbeth, that movie. Mm. I would say if you like two of those three, at least, you'd probably be into this. Two, Mm. not one. Mm. Sweet. Thanks, Peacock. Um, TV series Well, that was on Peacock. You know, it was in theaters. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> yes, of course it was in theaters. Well, thanks for providing I go it to, to a us theater, now, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and for the other folks who won't, you know, where to catch it. Um, so TV series premieres. The Why Watch That Talk. We have Dark Winds limited series brought to us by AMC. This uh, psychological thriller television series was created by... Graham Rowland, and it's based on the Leprechaun and She book series um, by Tony Hillerman. Now, Leap Horn. Leap Horn? <laughs> yes, Leap Horn. Oh, Leap Horn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> leprechaun. <laughs> Where's me gold? That leprechaun. <laughs> um, yes, Leap Horn <laughs> and She. Um, and it's <laughs> starring Zane McLaren. Um, Kua Gordon, Jessica Madden, Rain Wilson, and a bunch of other folks. Um, so critic, what do we think about this television series? Um, good question. Now, this is set in like the 70s, and uh, you know, it's in the southwest, that whole thing we're dealing with indigenous people, you know, versus the FBI and so on and so forth. I mean, you can imagine the milieu. And Zahn is playing Joe Leaphorn or Joe Leprechaun. Leprechaun, depending, depending on, on who on. you exactly. <laughs> And, you know, he's kind of like a sheriff, that kind of thing. Um, and at the start, he he goes to the reservation with some bad news. He's not welcome. Why not? You know, the people he's talking to he obviously has history with them, mm-hmm. close history. And the guy is like, I don't even know, know why you're here. Mm. Whoa. 
And this bad news is connected to something that we see early on in this episode. There's, you know, a granddaughter and her grandmother in a seedy-ish hotel or motel, I should say. A man is having health problems, comes to the grandmother for help. What kind of help? They don't survive. Why? Well, I should say two of the three don't survive. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, Joe has to come in and deliver this news. And they're kind of like, well, you're going to find out who did it. And he's like, well, I mean, it's kind of the FBI's jurisdiction. Do they want to hear this from him? At a certain point. And I don't know what the backstory is in this show yet. They haven't revealed it. At a certain point, though, we do have to pause and and live in the real world. (laughs) I mean, if this man can't do it, then he can't do it. If it's under the jurisdiction of the FBI, it's under the jurisdiction of the FBI. Mm -hmm. So we have that challenge. We do meet Joe's wife as well. How does she support or not support him? What's their relationship like? I won't tell you. And there is a new, you know, deputy who pops up. Who is this person? Who pops up? Hmm. Where's he coming from? And that's Jim Chi. So, you know, he kind of has to learn the ropes and he's going to go around with Joe and figure it out. And with Joe's uh, second in command. And the second in command, you know, Sergeant. And that's played by Jessica Matten. She ain't playing. And really, Jim better, you know, hurry up and get on with it. (laughs) Now, when it comes to the police sergeant here, Bernadette, there's something going on with her when she reaches a particular house. And you'll see why this happens. They have a reason to go out and investigate. And I don't know what's going on. Is there some sort of mystical thing? Because that would connect to what happened in the motel. Is there some sort of mystical thing happening? And is this evil here that she's encountered? How does she react to that? And how does Jim react to that? Is Jim even aware of what's going on? Now, with that said, there's also, of course, the FBI. The main person who represents them is played by Noah Emmerich. And if you watched, you know, The Americans, you might go, okay, here, Noah goes again, (laughs) do an FBI thing. And he's going to be, you know, in charge of handling whatever happened in that motel, supposedly. But he has an ulterior motive. Because the very first scene, I believe, in this show has nothing to do with what I just talked about. It was an armored truck with money that was robbed. By whom? How? And that is what this FBI agent wants to know. Agent Whitover, played by Noah. He wants to get down to the bottom of who was behind that. And he believes that the Navajo, and that's the tribe we're dealing with here, that they can figure it out, meaning Leaphorn can figure it out. Okay, so like we heard, you know, in um, when when we had that that reality show, what was it? Hollywood, um, something about Hollywood. Wait a minute, I'm gonna look this up because <laughs> <laughs> Adventures in Hollywood. Yes. Oh, so okay. producer, did you see that? Did you see Adventures in Hollywood? No, because it's three six mafia, hustle and flow. That's what yes, I'm thinking about. Yes. Okay, <laughs> so three six mafia who wrote the music for that and they won the oscar for yes yes yes. they had a reality show one one season 
where they go to Hollywood. It, again, Adventures in Hollywood. It okay. was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as one person said on that show, when it comes to Joe and the FBI agent, if you don't step on my feet, I won't step on yours. Okay. So that's possibly the relationship. Now, with that said, when it comes to Zon McLarnan, uh, whenever I see him, I think Fargo season two. And in a good way. Fargo season two was great. The rest of the Fargos I won't get into. But Fargo season two was great television. I really liked him there. I really like him here. I think he helps the show. However, the actual camera lens they use to me, it kind of cheapens the look, especially at the beginning. I was kind of like, oh, this doesn't even look quite real. I just wish they chose a different lens. Didn't like that at all. Also, it needs some spice or a little bit of pep in its step. Uh, some of the FBI stuff has some spirit, uh, but the writing is a bit blunt. Like it's, they say obvious stuff. It's just like, okay, white man, you know, indigenous man, that kind of thing in the seventies. I'm just like, can we do something interesting here with the writing, please? You do have the cast for it. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be stronger and clearer in the writing without the bluntness. Mm-hmm. They need to earn the pace because it drags a bit. Got it. Now it isn't bad. But it could be compelling, which according to the first episode, they haven't reached yet. I don't know. Um, so if you're thinking, should I watch this? Check this out. It's a cop Western. That's what it is. It's a cop Western. You know, they're going to describe it however they do in their marketing materials. It's a cop Western. OK, so Taylor Sheridan, Justified especially. That's what I was thinking of watching this. Has it reached the heights of a Taylor Shad- Sheridan's work? his heights or justified not yet um but you know it's on amc you can check it out if you want cool all right so next up on the list is becoming elizabeth brought to us by stars um this is a british american drama on which follows the life of a younger um the younger years of queen elizabeth and it is starring alicia von Ritberg, um, Jessica Rain, Tom Cullen, Bella Ramsey, uh, Jamie Parker, Jamie Blackley, Jacob Avery, and a bunch of other actors. Um, Critic, what do we think about this? Who should be watching? Mm. Now, do we need another anything about Queen Elizabeth I? People love her. Another anything. Do we even need a podcast about Queen Elizabeth the First? Do we need a news article? <laughs> is the question. Because the title is Becoming Elizabeth. So, you know, it's going to be way before she becomes Queen of England. Yes. Now, we've seen this point of Elizabeth's life in on film before you know i mean we've seen it it speaking of elizabeth when kate blanchett played her it started before she was queen mm-hmm. so what are we going to do with this show now with that said elizabeth is played by alicia and it all begins right after the death of henry the eighth mm. he's dead who gonna be king and remember king henry left three Science. One is Elizabeth. One is Mary. 
and one is the only son, and that's Edward. So, you know, Edward's a Protestant, Mary is a Catholic, and Elizabeth is just Elizabeth. Like, they have, at the opening of this show, producer, they, like, write this stuff on the screen, Mm -hmm. so they'll go, you know... (laughs) you know, Mary is, is Catholic and, you know, <laughs> Edward is Protestant. Protestant. Then they just have Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm like, well, what is Elizabeth? What? <laughs> so, I mean, this is history. You should know this stuff. And yes. if you know, oh, well, it's not spoiling it. Uh, you know, Edward becomes the king. He's the son. Mm-hmm. He's the youngest. Yeah. Now, because of this, he's going to need a regent. Someone who helps him rule and speaks for him and all of that. Who's this person going to be? Is the question. Now, this person is the Duke of Somerset, played by John Heffernan. And the Duke really doesn't suffer fools. Like, you know, as he's walking the new king to his throne and the king is kind of dealing with his father's death and kind of crying. He's like, "Uh, would your father cry? Mm. You better suck it up. Mm. How does the king respond to that? Mm-hmm. Also, how does he become the king's Regent, how did that happen? Did he bully his way into it? Did he have some sort of machination? Hmm. Hmm. Now, with that said, we also have the Duke's brother. And his brother's played by Tom Cullen, Thomas Seymour. And we see Thomas early on with Catherine Parr, played by Jessica Rain. Now, who is Catherine Parr? The final wife of Henry VIII. She survived. Okay. And the two of them are having a little bit of a tango underneath the bedsheets or on top of them. How long has that been going on? Now, she's still the queen. You know. So what kind of influence can she have? And what kind of influence can Tom have as well? as her consort. What are their plans? What are their plans for themselves? What are their plans for Edward? Because Thomas is Edward's favorite uncle. Why wouldn't he be? But can Thomas actually get to Edward to give any advice, to get any sort of, you know, favor from the king with his brother there? What is the relationship between Thomas and the bro? Now, early on, there's a war that needs to be tended to in like Scotland or something. So the Duke goes there. He is a warrior. And, you know, one of his uh, right-hand men is Pedro de Negro. So you go, oh, there's a black man here. Wait a minute. Oh, who was from Spain? Really? So they're all fighting and, you know, you may not make it back. So this is the time for Thomas to strike. How? Well, Elizabeth is living with them. That's what happens after the death of Henry VIII. They get all the kids together. They send them to, send them to different places. Elizabeth is living with Catherine Parr, which, whether she knows it or not, means she's living with Thomas Seymour. Mm-hmm. And Thomas seems to be very interested in the young Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, historically, she was 14, I believe. And he was like 30-something. Okay, now people are going, oh, oh, oh. Uh, well. <laughs> so what is going on with them? 
And what does Elizabeth think about Thomas? She has her eyes on him. Does she have designs for him? Now, no one knows that she's going to become the queen. I mean, why would she? Right. But she is a princess and her brother likes her. So maybe there's a way in. Do they have to be careful with that, though? Now, Catherine was a good stepmother to these kids. She really was. They do like her. Well, they continue to like her, is the question. And how is Elizabeth going to navigate all of this? We know what's coming. We know that, you know, Edward's not going to last as king. We know that Mary, her older sister, will be queen. Bloody Mary. We know that there's Mary, queen of Scots, as well. Easy to get the two confused. They're not the same. Bloody Mary, Mary, queen of Scots, two different people. How's that going to play a role? What's going to happen with the two Seymour brothers? And we know what happens to Catherine, unfortunately. But how are they going to, you know, use all of this? And how long is it going to take them to build up to the reign of Queen Elizabeth? I would gather it would probably take the length of the entire uh, series because it's called Becoming (laughs) Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we've seen this so many times. I mean, from the Tudors on TV with Showtime to, again, the movie Elizabeth itself. And... The question is, do we need to come back here to the 16th century and and work through all of this? Well, here's what I would say. From the beginning, it had some spirit. I did like the pep it had. It didn't have that throughout the first episode. But I was like, okay, we have glimpses of that. They did show us, producer, some of the war uh, that the Duke went to with uh, Pedro. Mm -hmm. They showed a battle scene. And I was like, okay, let's judge this. The battle scene was pretty effective. Okay. I didn't hate it. I thought it was choreographed well, filmed well, especially for TV. I was like, okay. So overall, I mean, you do have the court intrigue that's starting to build the romances and, you know, scandals and scheming and all this other kind of stuff, paying off priests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have all of that. I didn't mind it. I-, I thought to myself, okay, this could, an emphasis on could, be a worthy successor to the Tudors, both chronologically and an entertainment value. Mm -hmm. It hasn't quite gone to the entertainment of the tutors. It's close in the first episode. We'll have to see how it develops. So it wasn't a fail at all. And I see it as something that could say, hey, this is why I'm here. There is a reason why we're coming to this story for the upteenth time. Now for the cast, I think they did a pretty good job. I didn't have a problem with any of them alicia is not 14 but you know they cast her for a reason because she's going to have to play elizabeth as she grows i didn't mind that um also it makes sense so that people aren't completely creeped out by her with tom cullen (laughs) you know so there was some smart things going on there ramola garai by the way plays the future queen mary so we know something's going to happen since they put her in the role so yeah I, i think they did a pretty good job here okay cool so we're going to head on into our TV season premieres um, and we got Evil season three brought to us by Paramount Plus. Um, Evil is an American supernatural drama TV series brought to us by Robert and Michelle King um, and it originally premiered on CBS back in 2019. Um, let's see who's in this cast. Katja Herberis. Um, Mike Coulter, Kurt Fuller, Brooklyn Shook, 
Skylar Gray. Um, and you have to say Asif Mahdi. You can't skip that. Asif How dare you? Asif Mahdi. Him? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's one of the main characters. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it's back. Um, season three premiered on June the 12th. Um, as of taping, and so critics, how are we liking Evil season three? And are you going to continue watching? Oh, well, we're only one episode in here of season three. I've made it this far. And as you said, it did originate on CBS, but it is now available only on Paramount+. Plus. Question is, is it worth, if you haven't started watching it, is it worth it going to Paramount Plus and starting at season one? Well, remember that this show is about a trio of paranormal investigators essentially for the catholic church and each one has a different perspective so katya is a psychologist she's called in to have that kind of medical perspective on possible miracles or possessions depends on the episode mike coulter plays david acosta who was in training to become a catholic priest he is now in this season finally a priest he's finally made it So he has that spiritual perspective. And Asif plays Ben Shakir, who's a contractor who really starts looking at the stuff and saying, wait, how could you engineer this to happen without it being a miracle or anything else? A possession, none of it. What's the actual scientific mechanical explanation? So he really is the biggest skeptic of the three. So you have polar opposites, really. You have David on one end, Ben on the other, and Kristen the psychologist is in the middle. Doesn't quite believe, doesn't quite disbelieve all the way, you know. So that's the trio. And again, they go through and investigate certain things for the Catholic church. Now, the thing is though, each is tormented by something. Across the seasons, we see this. So their temptations of belief, who would that be for? Their temptations of sex. Who in the world would that be for? And their temptations of murder. Mm. Who could that be for? Have these people lost or found their belief? I didn't say who. Have they had sex? And with whom? Have they murdered anybody? (laughs) And who? (laughs) Well. Now, a fly in the ointment is a character called Leland Townsend, our favorite villain starting in season one. And, you know, this is played by Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson is always a joy to watch. And, you know, he comes in and now he is really overseeing the team. How did this happen? This man is an emissary of the devil. (laughs) How did he work his way into being someone who is overseeing their work? Okay. Hired by the Catholic Church Hmm. to do that. Now, he has been harassing Kristen, her, her family, and he's continuing it. He had some sort of strange relationship with her mother, (laughs) who's played by Christine Lottie. And her mother has had a journey into the dark side. Where is she now? He is messing with her young daughters, one in particular. And because of this, Kristen does some actions, I'll say, to stop him. Does it work? Also, Kristen's husband, they have like this this, uh, business, the two of them that they own, where, you know, they guide people up, you know, mountains like, you know, who knows what, doing that crazy stuff. 
So he's been away guiding people, you know, to the summits of the earth. He'll come in every now and then. He and her mother don't get along. What's his role starting in the first episode of this season? Is he back for good? And what's that going to mean? Because mama doesn't like him. He doesn't like her. But she has descended into darkness. Now, with all of that said, in the first episode of this third season, we have a guest star. That's Wallace Shawn. Another person I always love to see. Always give me Wallace. And Wallace is playing a dying priest. Now, this is important because in this episode, they are trying to figure out whether a scientist can determine whether we have a soul or not. Because you know the whole thing, producer, about when you die, people lose a little bit of weight. Is that the weight of the soul? Yes. So that's what this episode is about. And they need a volunteer who's about to die so that they can figure out their weight pre-death and Mm -hmm. post-death. Right. So they have this elaborate setup, all of these computers going. And while Sean is playing the priest, who's going to be this, you know, person. Now, this priest has a relationship with the person who oversees the whole team for the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. What is that relationship like? And what happens to Wallace Shawn's character? That's a question. It throws everything off its axis, essentially. For everybody. For the people who are the scientists behind this. For the team itself. For, you know, the guy who's in charge of them. Who's the friend of Wallace Shawn's character. For Wallace Shawn's character himself. Because of what happened to him, they need another person to do this experiment on. And with science, that's not shocking. They probably need a whole bunch. But are the results going to be consistent? And what does that even mean? So we're setting the stage here for more of what we would expect from evil. We're going deeper into the three main characters, this trio of investigators. In every episode, they really go deeper into maybe one or two of them, not all three necessarily. It depends. So we'll see what happens. We got a little more of Kristen and David in this episode than Ben. Don't worry, they'll get to Ben. They always do. We know what happened to Ben in season two. He started having visions. Mm. Okay. So we'll see where they go with that. Also, Kristen's family, they keep developing that. And then the Leland character. So we'll see her mother. Like, all of this is still there. They're still growing it because it's the kings. The kings don't waste time. And they don't waste their story and plot points and character points and so on. So the question is, though, is this still the show to see? Because I've liked the show. Uh, Season one, I liked. Season two, I liked even better. What about the beginning of season three? It's still well-constructed. It's still interesting entertainment. I think that they're still doing a good job. And I would say if you like anything about what I just said and you haven't started watching it, you should start. I think if you have been watching it, you should continue. Why wouldn't you? I don't see any sign of them losing what they know how to do. And that's the Kings and the cast and their writer's room and everyone else. And this is how you do a show and let the narrative speak for itself. Okay. I didn't want to have to get into who they were and, you know, this is the group they belong to. And this is why it's important. It's obvious what groups they belong to. That's not the point. 
This, to me, represents what I would like to see from Hollywood. Mm. This kind of thing. Why is it so difficult? You know why? Because you actually have to not be lazy and write a compelling story. That's why. All right. TV finales. (laughs) (laughs) Slide into those. Um, Yes. We got Gaslit, which is... um, Brought to us by stars. Yep. It's an American political thriller. I love these descriptions. Um, based well, on- you're literally, let me tell the listeners, you're literally reading it off of Wikipedia, which is hilarious. So that's the <laughs> comedy of it. <laughs> and you're like commenting on it like one of these descriptions. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> Go to the Wikipedia page, everybody, of Gaslit and all these shows, and you'll see what the producer is reading. <laughs> Go ahead, producer. <laughs> a limited series based off of the first season of the podcast, Slow Burn, if you don't know. Um, and it stars Julia Roberts, Sean Penn. Oh, just them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't can't say that Dan Stevens and Betty. Oh, yeah. just him too. You yeah. Know. <laughs> Betty Gilpin, Shane Wiggum, yeah, all of them. Darby Camp, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... So what, what, how do we feel? How do we feel about um, the end of Gaslit? Yeah. And this part of that, the story they're telling, because it's a possible anthology. Will they have a second season? If so, what story will they tackle there? Because this is all about Watergate. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And not the Watergate from Stranger Things. The no. real one. Watergate. Okay. That one. So really what they're doing, producers, they're trying to tell the story of people that we haven't really heard about a lot that were players in the Watergate scandal. So while you do have some of the major ones, uh, really John Dean is focused on heavily here. We know John Dean. But have we heard much about, you know, John Mitchell? Not when I look at Watergate stuff, you don't really he's not a major player here. So he is, in this case, he was the attorney general for Richard Nixon, and he's played by Sean Penn. Uh, John Dean is played by Dan Stevens. And John Mitchell's wife is played by Julia Roberts, Martha. And Martha, at the time, was a celebrity because she said what was on her mind to whoever was listening. The press couldn't get enough of her. And she was the first one or one of the first to say, Nixon was up to no good here. I'm telling you what they're up to. She was dismissed. Why was she dismissed? Well, there's some drinking and some pill popping. But why? Mm. That's the question. And the Mitchells, they do have two children. Uh, their, Their youngest, their daughter, is really the main one that we see here. And that's Darby Camp's character, Marty. So what does Marty think about her parents? They're both pieces of work. Okay, Attorney General Mitchell, what does he do to his wife? How did the two of them meet? Under what circumstances? We go back in time to see that. We go back in time to see some of Martha's childhood. What was that like? They have a volatile relationship. There is a line that Martha says in one of the episodes, I was like, oh my goodness, about why they're still together what they do with the bedroom, but outside of that, it was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, putting the Mitchells aside for a moment, let's go back to John Dean. John Dean, remember, was White House counsel. How seriously was he taken? How seriously was he taken by John and by others who were close to President Nixon? 
And how did he react to that? Now, via him, we get G. Gordon Liddy, played by Shay. And you know G. Gordon Liddy, character in real life and in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, he's no longer with us, but his memory lives on. Yes, forever. Remember those commercials with G. Gordon Liddy, uh, producer, years ago? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he comes into this mess via John Dean. And he brings the mess. He's the mastermind behind the whole thing, breaking into Watergate to try to, you know, deal with the DNC and, you know, you know, surveil them. And there were people involved in that. They all got caught. He brought in Cubans and, you know, all other kinds of crazy. Yes, Cubans, all other kinds of craziness because he he, you know, he had operations in Cuba. He speaks Spanish. And okay, he has a family, he has a wife, he has kids. How do they relate to him? Don't assume, don't make assumptions. Mm -hmm. And we know all these people end up in prison. Yeah. Now, John, we also see outside of that, his relationship that develops with his future wife, played by Betty Gilpin. Hmm. Now, what is that like? Because Modine, who she will be known as when she marries him, Mo is a flight attendant. She has certain political views that don't align with John's. What, by the way, what are John's political views at this time? That's an interesting question. And how does Mo's political views contrast with that? And how does that actually allow them to connect? John's doing a lot of chasing to get to Mo. Now, for certain reasons, um, not just because he likes her, but sometimes he does some things that, you know, Mo says, okay, goodbye to you. I've got to go. But does she mean it? Does she mean it? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, the producer's going, I know Betty Gilpin because of Glow. Didn't you watch Glow, producer? I did. Yeah, see, see, I always know when you know somebody because you say their names confidently. (laughs) (laughs) And the first time I saw Betty that I remember is Nurse Jackie. Nurse Jackie. She came in toward the end of Nurse Jackie and, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) <laughs> and then that then masters of sex she came in yeah, in that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's always nice to see her and so we see their relationship develop how can they support each other who's supporting whom and you know john's going to prison both of them <laughs> <laughs> the john's are going to prison you go and liddy's going to prison all the other people going to prison people played by Pat and oswald and so on they all going to prison who ain't going to prison though tricky dicky mm. Now, there's one more character here that I must bring up. And this is Frank Wills. Now, Frank Wills was the security guard at the Watergate building who foiled the entire thing. So we see him and we see the role he played, played, by the way, by Patrick Walker. He plays Frank. Now, Frank was in his 20s at the time. He was trying to get a job. You know, we see how he got this job as the security guard of the Watergate uh, building. So it it wasn't easy for him to get this job. Let's get that straight. So he was new on the job when this happened. And there's something that these idiots did in breaking into the building that made him go, hmm, and broke the entire plot. And, and you see how they actually broke it. You see how the FBI agents come into the building. How do they come in? And what 
what do they look like? What are they thinking? Like all of this is ridiculous. In the other building across from it, that's where G. Gordon Liddy and the operation is set up so they can look in to the correct floor of the Watergate building for the DNC. Like you see all of that. Uh-huh. But what happened to Frank? Because he's the one who unearthed all of this, really, that started it. How was he treated by the press, by the public? And what happens to his career as a result of that? Mm-hmm. He was heralded as a hero. Was he treated as such? Mm-hmm. And in the end, we come back to the Mitchells. Where did they end up? What happened to Martha? Could their family survive all of this craziness? I mean, they had, they would have had trouble regardless of Watergate. Mm-hmm. So this poured gasoline on that fire. And we know that Martha uh, connected in the show to who eventually became her biographer. It was a reporter that she felt comfortable talking to. And, you know, Allison Tolman plays her, Winnie McClendon. And we see what Winnie does to Martha's story. Mm-hmm. Now, with Gasly, the first episode, you know, you can go back to my older review. I was kind of like, okay, like they have the pieces. I wasn't quite compelled, but, you know, it was enough to keep watching. In episode two, I thought things started to click there. It was more consistent dramatically. They had appropriate touches of humor. So there, I think they started to find their footing. But as you go through the entire uh, eight episodes, in the end, I was asking myself, producer, what's the real message here? Mm. So is it okay? There are certain players involved in Watergate, especially Martha, whose lives were changed for the better, but really for the worse for most of them. Yet they've gone unnoticed, right? Is that is that the reason why we're watching this? Okay. Mm. Is that enough of an idea? Like to me, there wasn't a clear enough uh, take on their message. The takeaway wasn't, it just wasn't powerful enough for me for that larger point to land as it should. They don't accelerate to the ending. So was it a complete success? No. Was it a complete failure? No. I mean, you do have some good stuff going on here. Uh, Really, for me, the show was G. Gordon Liddy. Mm. Shay Wiggum as G. Gordon Liddy, I think he should be nominated for an Emmy. Definitely nominated. Like, the craziness there was great. And, And see, what I love is when people take crazy seriously. Yes. He does it beautifully from the opening moments to the end. They could make a show on G. Gordon Liddy starring him. Now, you'd have to pepper that because he's a lot. You would. Like, you'd have to, <laughs> we have to get some other stuff outside of him because it's too much craziness. Also, I think Frank Wills, they could do more of an investigation into his story. Mm. I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. I found those two more interesting than the Mitchells and the Deans, which mm-hmm. is really the core of this show. Mm-hmm. Not that the Mitchells and Deans aren't, you know, worthy of being depicted. But to me, I would rather see those other two. I think that was more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Uh, Shea Wiggum definitely nailed it. I think everyone else did a good job, though. Uh, Julia Roberts had her moments when they gave it to her. I think that Sean Penn is John Mitchell. They didn't give him a lot to do, honestly. It was just a lot. I'm acting through prosthetics and I know how to act. That was kind of how I saw it. That mm-hmm. He didn't really have a moment like big moments uh here so there you go 
Got it. That's a gaslit. Gaslit. All right. Another uh, TV finale we're going to discuss is the scare case, the staircase, the staircase. You um, could call it the scare case. Brought to us by uh, HBO Max. It's an American true crime drama. Um, it is starring, I think that's Tony Collette and uh, Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I know you started watching it. How did it end? What do you think about it? Yeah. Um, so remember, this is about the uh, Michael Peterson case. He uh, yes, yes. allegedly killed his wife, Kathleen. And, you know, the staircase was involved. There we go. Not Scott Peterson. I always have to say this. Not Scott Peterson. Yes. Michael Peterson, the the author and, you know, everything else. The blow poke and that whole thing. Yes. So this show is based on the docuseries, which is also called The Staircase, which is on Netflix if you want to see it. And that was created by Jean-Xavier de Lestrade. <laughs> and he is a character in the show. So really, they use that docuseries to pull this story together. We see how the docuseries was created. We see how the people who created the docuseries actually came to be involved with the Petersons. So we have Jean, and in particular, well, there's his producing partner who really doesn't agree with all the stuff that's going on here. But really, he's not one of the main people behind the scenes that they develop. Instead, it is the editor of the docuseries. Mm -hmm. And this editor is played by Juliette Binoche. Why is the editor such a major player here? How does she connect to the Petersons and Michael in particular? Mm. Now, here's what happened. Michael, Kathleen, they're married. Kathleen has a daughter. Michael has two sons, and those are biological children for the two of them, separately. They don't have kids together, but they do have two adopted daughters together. Those adopted daughters, their parents died years ago, And their parents were friends with Michael and his former wife. Now, those parents, the father died, no suspicions. The mother died via a staircase. Kathleen dies via a staircase. Who's the common denominator? Mm. And this splits the family apart. Where are the kids going to go? Where are their allegiances going to lie? Is it always clear? And when it comes to the two sons of Michael, they have their own thing with their father. Each is trying to vie for his attention. The older son, played by Dane DeHaan, Clayton, you know, he's kind of on the outs with Michael. The younger son, played by Patrick Schwarzenegger, yes, that's Schwarzenegger, he is the one that Michael looks to. Does that continue across this case, Michael's imprisonment, He gets out of prison under what circumstances? Where do they lie in the end in that hierarchy? Now, when it comes to Kathleen's daughter, where's she going to go? Is she going to stay with the man who killed her mother, if that's what you believe? Or is she going to go with her mother's sisters who supposedly never liked Michael? Where's she going to go? Is it always consistent? What's the information that may or may not change her mind? And then the adopted daughters. Aren't they really in the middle here? 
did they know anything about the circumstances surrounding their mother's death? I asked the question. I didn't tell you the answer. And what really were the circumstances surrounding their adoption? When they figure that out, what's going to happen? And who's going to tell them this information? It ain't going to be Michael. Now, when Michael goes to prison after losing his case and his lawyer, David Rudolph, is played by Michael Stuhlbarg, he's constantly fighting to get out, okay, because he's like, I'm innocent, but he's in prison. How's he going to navigate that? Is there anyone to help him? And we know a part of the reason why he was convicted was he lied, but lied about what is the question. Well, you know, he had some extracurricular activities outside his marriage. With whom? In my first review, I gave you that line that Colin landed on all of us unexpectedly when he was on a phone call. Are you ready to get that, you know, pounded? <laughs> like it's classic. This is a classic line in TV history from now forth. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> so how is that going to play out? And how does he connect again to Jean and to uh, Sophie, the editor? Mm-hmm. You don't hire Juliette Binoche for no reason. How can it be possible after all of this, everyone, that people would still want to be around Michael? How is that possible? Mm-hmm. And in the end, where does this end up? Again, Michael gets out. Under what circumstances, how does that happen? Because what was going on with the investigation of this? And throughout the show, producer, they posit certain theories as they come up in the timeline. So what really happened? Will we ever know? Like one of their neighbors who was a loyal uh, friend of Michael's came up with a theory for how Kathleen could have died. Because there were certain things that just didn't make sense Mm -hmm. if it was foul play. Mm. And this was something that played out in the case and so on. And was that really answered? And he came up with a theory. Does it play out? You'll see it. You'll see the theory. It's like wild. You go, wait a minute. But then you start thinking about it and you go, wait a minute. No, (laughs) that could have happened in a strange world. So they deal with that. They show you how that could be. So just brace yourselves if you have a faint heart. (laughs) They do show you. They show us Kathleen dying more than once Mm. to to show this play out, you know. So there we go with that. Now, Mm. what I would say about the staircase is, in the end, it is carried by the acting. After the first few episodes, they started to find something. I was like, okay. But from the beginning, you can see they're building the pieces. And this is where... In a first episode, it's always, do I get to the second and so forth? It's not, is it perfect right now? But there has to be something in there that says, okay, there might be a show here. Let me keep going. And they always had that from the beginning. But when you get to the end, it's kind of like almost like a gaslit where you need to accelerate to it. Mm -hmm. And here it's kind of like, okay, it ends. Mm -hmm. But they get away with it a lot, largely because of the acting. Um, overall, these people have more to do than some of the people in Gaslit. And they ain't playing. In particular, Colin Firth, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you can get ready for the Emmys for him. I mean, it's like a masterful performance. Mm. Masterful. He's always in the right thought. Like always, even when he's not talking. The posture, like the whole thing. 
He doesn't look anything like Michael Peterson. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Tony Collette is Kathleen. Across the season, they give her more to do, um, but not what you would expect still from Tony. Tony is there to make sure that they do not disrespect this woman. That's really what it is. Mm. You have to have somebody that strong so that it doesn't, it's not offensive. Like, mm-hmm. that's what this is. And she does her job. Of course, it's Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Michael Stuhlbarg as the attorney. He, he looks like the attorney, though. And it works. It works. Like, all these people. All the people I mentioned, Sophie Turner, Odessa Young played the adopted daughters. Great job. Like, all of this stuff works. So I would say, again, it's the cast. In addition to Colin, for me, if I were nominating people from this, it would also be Parker Posey, who I haven't mentioned in this review, who played one of the uh, prosecuting attorneys. She nailed her. And Juliette Binoche. I think the two of them could be nominated um, for supporting roles. So again, it's the cast here. And if you're interested in the stories, you go, I kind of remember that what really happened. Then you can watch this. If you're a true crime fan, yeah, I would say watch it as well. It's not the best it could have been, but it's good. Cool. All right. There you have it, guys. We have gone through first looks of movies, TV show series premieres, season premieres, and TV finales. Um, as always, there's always something to watch. And, and this was here. such a calm episode, too. I'm going to yes. we gotta I'm gonna have to get, get my, my energy up for the next one and go no, crazy. No, again. I think he was uh, <laughs> he was burning lavender in the back end. And it, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.